0: Time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. All right, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Excited for you to join me today. We're in the beginnings of Mystery Month here at the Vintage Truth Podcast. We're talking about some of the mysteries of the Bible, some of the mysterious truths that we encounter when we get into Scripture and some of these theological conundrums things that are seemingly unexplained they're paradoxical they seem to sometimes even contradict one another or just how do these things even work and last time we talked about the mystery of evil and how does evil and suffering exist if God can be a good God you can listen to that uh, podcast episode 13 but this one we're talking about the mystery of the God man in other words How could God become a man? How could there be a Jesus? That's the real question, isn't it? So when we ask about how can God become a man, we're we're really asking, how can we see the invisible God? How, How is that possible? How is a God who by his own proclamation dwells in unapproachable light and holiness, how can that God get sweaty and dirty? How could a God who is supposed to be everywhere at once be confined to one body and one place at a time? And how and why would a God who is continually worshipped by an inestimable, I can't even say that word, inestimable number of angels, give up that adoration for even one minute? Is that even possible for God to do that? Well, when you search the scriptures, we find some of the answers to these questions. And it really begins... With Bible prophecy back in the Old Testament, Isaiah 7:14, Isaiah prophesied that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and she would call his name Emmanuel. He's talking, of course, about the Jewish Messiah. In Luke chapter 1, Mary is visited by an angel. Mary, who is perhaps as young as 14, 15 years old. We don't know how young she was, but probably pretty young. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Gabriel says, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He goes on to say, nothing is impossible with God. So the question is, how could that happen? How does the Holy Spirit, who is God, come upon a virgin and create a new life, a person, a male inside her? But if you're God, you can do these things. I mean, anytime you put capital G-O-D into any equation, then anything is possible because by definition, he is an omnipotent, all-powerful God. He can do anything he desires to do. And so that's why it makes perfect sense that you can't explain this scientifically you can't explain it logically you can only explain it supernaturally like when god told abraham and sarah that they were going to have a baby in their old age i believe it's genesis 18 14 the angel announced to them and said hey is anything too hard for the lord that's what we call a rhetorical question the answer no the bible says in the beginning genesis 1 1 god created the heavens and the earth He created out of no pre-existing materials. So God can do that because he's God. He doesn't need a sperm. He doesn't even need an egg if he didn't want one. He just uses his supernatural power and makes a person, makes a body. And the Bible says that Mary was a virgin and that the Holy Spirit conceived a child within her supernaturally. And so this was another mystery, in fact, but it's explained by the supernatural power of God. Mary embraced the mystery. It's what she did. In fact, in Luke one thirty-eight, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. So no credible historian today disputes the fact of Jesus' birth or the fact that he was, the fact that a, a man named Jesus who was considered to be the Savior, existed. Nobody really disputes that. But how he came into the world and why he came, that's the thing they argue about. What I want to talk about in the time that we have left is is simply why Jesus Christ came and and how could he be the God-man. He he could be the God-man because God can do these sort of things. It's not something that is beyond our comprehension to imagine that God could do this, that he could invade the body of a man, that he could invade a newly created body, and he could exist among us. I mean, as wild as that might sound. But we have to acknowledge the fact that according to the Bible, Jesus Christ was still 100% God. He was 100% man and 100% God. He wasn't 50-50. You know, God didn't say, oh, you can have some of this and you know, you can understand some of humanity, but it's really going to be kind of a 50 50 deal. You contribute and I contribute. No, he was 100% God, 100% man. And there's a famous verse in a hymn that talks about how he emptied himself when he came down from heaven. He emptied himself of all except for love. Now, he didn't empty himself of all except love, he still had his supernatural powers. Jesus Christ still did incredible miracles and things that could only be explained by the presence of God. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says that, verse 6, although he existed in the form of God, he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, it wasn't something he was going to hang on to and stay in the heaven. But now we come to this word, it says, but he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant. In other words, he voluntarily laid aside some of his heavenly privileges so that he could do what he was called to do here on the earth. And it says, and being made in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man. And it goes on to talk about, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now it's very interesting as you look at the epistles, Paul makes it very clear that Jesus Christ was not some sort of angel. He was not a a sub-level of God. He was completely equal with God. In fact, he says in in Colossians 1.15, and he is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus was created. doesn't mean he was born in the sense that you and I think of being born. That word Firstborn is a Greek word, prototokos, that simply means the heir to the throne. The heir to the throne. And it simply means that he is deserving of all the privileges that God would be deserving of, that the Father has given to him as being seated at the right hand of God. Why is that true? Well, the next verse tells us, For by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created. Ah, so now Jesus Christ is that eternal creator back in Genesis one one he's a part of that creation both in the heavens and on the earth what else did he create visible and invisible with thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things have been created by him and watch this and for him so if you're claiming that someone has created all that we see and that the whole purpose the ultimate purpose of all that creation is that it might serve the Creator, that's God. That's who God is. And Paul's saying here, that's who Jesus was. That's who Jesus is. It says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all of the fullness to dwell in him. So you have Paul affirming the deity of Jesus Christ, and of course Christ himself Claim to be God. That's a whole nother podcast. We can talk about the claims of Christ and we can go through those one by one. But the writer of Hebrews says this It says, God, after he spoke long ago, this is Hebrews 1 1. After he spoke long ago in the prophets and in many portions and many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us and his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. That's where they get that firstborn thing through whom also he made the world. Just affirming once again, Jesus is creator. Verse three, and he, Jesus, is the radiance of his, the father's glory, and the exact representation of his nature. The father's nature. He goes on. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus Christ is the glue that keeps everything together, the universe When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than them. And so, Jesus Christ is 100% God. So, let's just talk about why he came and this unique idea that only God could come up with, that deity is would take on humanity. And I want to give you three reasons why I believe that happened. Number one, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. When Jesus Christ stepped on the scene, and when he went public with his ministry at about age 30, then he began to tell us things about God, not only to affirm things that had been taught and written in the Old Testament, but also new things about God, he came to show us what God was really like. And we knew what he was like, a little bit about what he was like through creation and, and through the Old Testament. But when Christ came, Christ was the exclamation point of God's revelation to mankind. In Jesus, we have the complete picture of what God is like. John 1.14 says this, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. What kind of glory? Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18 says, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. That's Jesus. It says he has explained him to us. And the word explain there is the word exegete. He's exegeted the Father to us. He's completely helped us understand what God is like through coming to us and so christ came to reveal the father to us secondly jesus came as the god man to also identify with humanity so that he could understand everything that we experience and so that he could die as a man you see in order for jesus to die on the cross we'll talk about that in a second he had to be a man he had to suffer as a man in order to take the place of man to suffer under what God had planned for man because of his sin. More about that in just a minute. But the Bible tells us that Jesus grew up, he developed, and here comes the mystery. As God, he was completely full of deity, okay? But as man, he also learned He also grew. He also developed. He developed physically. He developed socially. He developed spiritually. He developed intellectually as a person would do. And there's mystery there. How can you be God and not know something? You know? And yet Jesus Christ voluntarily laid aside and allowed the Father to reveal things to him while he was on the earth. There's mystery there. We admit it maybe even some tension for you. But there became a point where Jesus grew up and he had to develop just like we develop. There's a couple of verses over in Hebrews that I want you to see. In Hebrews chapter five, this is what the word of God says. Verses eight through 10, it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And so there's a sense in which Jesus wanted to be able to trust God so that we could understand as men, as people, as humans, what it means to depend upon God. That's why he said in John 4, verse 34, that when his disciples came back from going to get some food and Jesus said, I'm not hungry, basically. And they said, what do you mean, Lord? What do you mean you're not hungry? And this is what he said to them. He said in John 4:34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And many times in the Gospels, Jesus said that over and over again. I have come to do the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, I choose as the God-man to completely depend upon the Father. And that wasn't always easy for him. In fact, you remember in the, the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus cried out to God and he said, Matthew 26, verses 28 to 29, he says, Father, if there's any way for this cup of wrath to pass from me, please do that because I'm not looking forward to this thing. Nevertheless, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And so Jesus voluntarily submitted himself to the Father for our sake. So he grew and he developed another thing about this identification factor that he came to reveal God to us, he came to identify with us, is that he now feels what we feel. He now legitimately understands what humanity goes through. In Hebrews chapter two, and verses seventeen through nineteen, this is what the Bible says. Says, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren, that's us, in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest, representing us to God, in things pertaining to God, to to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered. Because of that, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So you say, well, Lord, I'm tempted with this temptation. Jesus is not going to say, I wish I could understand what you're going through, man. But I don't get it. I don't get this human stuff. You humans are crazy down there. No, he understands all the temptations, all the emotional roller coasters that we ride on, He understands everything that we have ever experienced. He understands physical exhaustion and thirst. He understands our weaknesses. He understands disappointment in relationships. He understands depression. He understands emotions like anger and sadness and despair and grief and stress and joy. Man, he's ridden that roller coaster. He understands us. He gets us. He gets you. He understands it. And because of that, he can say to you when you come to him, He can say, hey, I know you feel. I went through that, but you know what? Ten times worse than you'll ever go through it. I was abused. I was abandoned. I was forsaken. I had people lie to me. I had people do injustice to me. I had people talk behind my back. I I understand it all. I understand physical abuse. I understand everything. So Christ came to reveal the Father. He came to identify with humanity and then finally, he came to give himself for our sins. Only the God-man could do that. You say, well, that's why angels can't be saved, right? Because Jesus would have to become an angel, suffer as an angel in order to redeem angels. But he became a man and suffered as a man for our sins. You see, God's wrath is meant for humanity because we have rebelled against God, we've resisted him, we've rejected him. And the Bible says all of us are sinners we've all fallen short of God's glory. Scripture says in Romans 6, 23, and the wages of sin, that's the paycheck you get because you're a sinner. You When you look at that paycheck, you know what it says? It says eternal death on it. That you and I are born dead. We're born condemned to sin. Ephesians 2, 1 tells us that. And so we're dead in our trespasses and sins, and we can do nothing about that. What can a dead man do for himself, right? And so Jesus Christ came to suffer for our sins. And that's what Romans 6 23 says For the wages of sin is death. And death in the Bible always, always means separation. Okay? When a person dies, his spirit separates from his body, means separation. So a sin death means that God separates himself from us. So, in other words, when we die without Jesus, we go to be separated from God for eternity. That's called hell. And God blasts sinners with his hot, righteous, holy, eternal, infinite anger towards sin. God hates sin. And his anger and wrath is on every person in hell right now. And the second part of that is that God is separated from them. So there's no peace. There's no love. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There are no smiles There's not one positive happy thought in hell. It's all despair and torture forever. He said, that's a terrible thing. Right, it is. The Bible says it's a fearful thing and a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You don't want to go there. But you know what? That's exactly what happened at the cross. When Jesus was, was beaten, and the Bible says he was beaten beyond any man, that when Jesus died on the cross... God the Father blasted him with all of that wrath that he's been storing up for you in hell. Jesus took it, every ounce of it. And then God turned his back on his own son. He turned his back on the second member of the Godhead. You say, how in the world can that happen? I don't know. But it did. And that's why Jesus said, and he cried out in Matthew 27, 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, is what he said. Why have you separated yourself from me? In that moment in Jesus' humanity, he cries out, I'm in hell. I'm separated from God and everything that is good. And that was part of the punishment. And you know what? He got have crawl down off that cross. He could have call 10,000 angels, but he he stayed on that cross, nailed to that cross because he loved you so much. And he said, I'll take it for you. Why? So that we can be together one day so that you can go to heaven, so that you can have your sins forgiven, so you can have an abundant life, so that you can experience all the good things that I want to give to you. Is How do we know all this is true? <laughs> because three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and the resurrection is the hinge upon which Christianity swings. The resurrection validated the crucifixion. It validated every word that Jesus Christ ever spoke. In other words, it caused all those things to have meaning and purpose ultimately because of the resurrection. So how could Jesus become a man? How? One word, God. Why did Jesus become a man? One word, you, you. He loves you. And I am going to tell you something. Every Christmas we talk about Jesus and that little baby thing, you know, the manger and all that. You know, it's never really kind of like gotten me in the feels that much. I'll tell you what really gets me is thinking about the fact that baby grew up and grew up as a man and went to that cross for my sins. And when he suffered and he hung there In his in his mind, he was doing that for you and me. You know what? Nobody on this planet will ever love you like that. And if you don't know Jesus, let me tell you something. You're missing out. You're missing out on what life was was meant to be. And if you know Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to right now just to pause and to thank him for becoming the God-man, for coming down here on the earth. And now Jesus Christ is resurrected. He's been ascended to heaven in that resurrection body, and he's going to come back one day in that exact same body, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19. We'll talk more about that at another time. Hey, all these mysteries come from a book I've written called Uncovering the Mysteries of God. If you'd like to dig deep in some of these mysteries and just really be able to sort of embrace some of that darkness and some of the unknown of Scripture, then I explore these things and take you through many of these topics uh, that we're not actually, uh, don't have time to cover on the Vintage Truth podcast. But... Uh, just go to my website, jeffkinley.com. Go to the bookstore tab, scroll down. You can uh, find Uncovering the Mysteries of God. I'll even sign it to you if you want me to. It's very affordable, so I'd love to do that for you. Also, please share this podcast with other people. Uh, tell them how they can get a copy of it, how they can listen to it, uh, whether on their phone or on uh, the computer or whatever. But, uh, hey, we're going to cover the mystery of prayer on Friday. How does prayer work? I mean, does God answer prayer? I mean, how does that even work in our lives and if he already knows what we're going to say why do we need to pray that's next on the vintage truth podcast